Hello again, Action Alerts Plus subscribers. November 21st, 2021. Great to be with you. My name is Bob Lang, and we're here to do the uh, podcast with all of you one more time. I'm coming you coming to you from a very, very cold Northeast New England area. And uh, my good part, my good friend, my partner in crime, Chris Versace, is with us as well today. Good hey, to see you, Bob. Chris. Good to see you, Chris. Good to How see are you, Bob? How are things in your uh, in your neighborhood? Is it is it is it chilling out over there, or is it uh, starting is is it warming up a little bit uh, in Virginia? Uh, so we're warmer today as we tape this than we were over the weekend. Yesterday was a brisk high of uh, 35, much colder overnight. Um, that's leading folks in my house to inch the thermostat up a little bit because they're chilly. I don't know why they can't put on a sweater like everybody else, but whatever. So, but you know, hey, that's all good for you know uh, higher energy bills. Obviously, very good for our XLE shares in the portfolio. Um, so I'm I'm good all the way around, Bob. Ready for a, a what looks like a busy week ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday, which, as you, as we both know, gives way to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So as much as I would like to, uh, you know, say I'm going to be chilled and relaxed uh, ahead of the next couple of days, I hate to say it, they're going to be busy. So, so Chris, so just just a real qu a quick comment on um, on Friday. Um, you know, I, I, I you know, having worked in the retail um, industry for for several years, um, I don't think people really know understand where the concept of Black Friday came from. And I, I think for uh, for an understanding there, it's, it's where a lot of retailers all of a sudden um, you know go from uh, their 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 profits or revenues in the year go from red to black. Or else maybe just uh, so, from you know light black to a little bit darker black, just on these uh, couple of days in uh, Black Friday and into the uh, beginning of December. So you know I was thinking about that because I watched you on the Daily Rundown on as we tape this Monday, November twenty first, and I, I know you kind of commented on that, but I was thinking about that. Like we look at Costco, we look at you know other retailers, they report positive earnings, you know for the first nine months of 2022. So I, I think that's almost kind of a misnomer. I, I, I think it speaks increasingly now to the seasonality that we see, right? Where between you know the fourth, the fourth quarter, which for most retailers is November, December, January, that tends to be an outsized piece of their overall revenue and profit stream, right? That's right. And I think it goes back to many years ago when um, a lot of these retailers, they, they used to call Black Friday, Chris, the Super Bowl. Of retail, and uh, um, you know, I remember, I remember back in the day when I was working in in, in retail stores, and I'm, I'm I'm sure you probably did as well too. That you know, I mean, they're 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 it's all hands on deck to to for all the workers to come in around Black Friday and, and all the way into uh, to Christmas. That uh, sales were were strong and, and brisk. But as you said, um, I think people are you know, I think the um, consistency of those sales are smoothed out during the year. You know, good example with Costco. I mean. Are they going to probably sell a lot more product um, between Black Friday and, uh, and Christmas? Absolutely, I think. And but you know, still, I I, I don't think it uh, it necessarily means that uh, they were in the red earlier this year, and all of a sudden they're just in a sweatshirt. So I'm fascinated by this, Bob, because you 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 tip something. You and I have worked together, you know, quite a bit, um, trifecta elsewhere, and again, obviously here on AAP. But uh, where in the retail world did you work? I, I worked at a, a store um, back in California called uh, Harrison Frank, and I got this job. It was a clothing retail store, 
and I got this job through uh, my best friend in college. His dad was the president of the company. I actually hired me right after I graduated school in San Diego State. So I worked there for a few years um, and, and sold um, suits and jackets and, and pants and uh, trousers and shirts and ties and you, you name it, all, all the accessories. I could, I could just tell that you worked in the industry because you said trousers, not slacks. Trousers. No, yeah, that's slacks. Slacks. Slacks is my favorite <laughs> word. <right? laughs> uh, so, so it's interesting because uh, I worked one holiday season in, when I was in college at the Gap, and I oh. swore I would never do it again. Not so much because it was long hours, like you're talking about. And once you know the mall would close, you'd have to stick around and straighten up and get ready for the next day. But it was because at the time there were no streaming services, and they had a music track that report that repeated itself every 30 minutes so if you're in there yeah yeah so if you're in there for you know eight nine hours a day i mean it's 16 times you're hearing the same music Uh, drove me crazy i have to think that that's just embedded in your head by the time you get home and all that's all you that's all you think about that's all you hear is that same song over and over and over again right pretty much and (laughs) as you can imagine the early enthusiasm turns way to you know, oh boy, this is on again to, you know, let's just say using some language language that we're not going to use on the podcast describing those songs. So well, let's, hey, but sure, anyway, let, let's get into it, Chris. Let's talk about some things that are happening. Obviously, a very short trading week. We only have, we're only trading three and a half days. Thursday, right. course, closed for, uh, markets are closed for observing Thanksgiving. Um, but what's interesting is that you'll see market futures are still trading because around, the, you know, Thanksgiving only matters really in the United States and Canada and some other countries, you know, celebrate something derivative of, um, of Thanksgiving. But uh, markets will be open on Friday, only a half a session. So they open yeah, at 930 and close at one o'clock. Um, right. So um, with um, with volatility down right now, we see the VIX is down under 23, Chris, uh, uh, right now. They've been, uh, it's in 22s right now, actually. Um, it's setting up for a lot of erratic um, price movements, price moves. Um, there really is not a lot of commitment of dollars and to towards uh, anything in the markets right now. And I think it's just setting up for a real choppy environment. But uh, um, with, with that well, well, said, hang on, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's 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 talk about this chop, right? Because you know, the last couple of days we've had comments come out from like Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley raising some concerns or I, you know, to the, to their readers, I would argue that they were kind of reiterating concerns that we've been sharing with members about the speed of the economy, earnings expectations, that sort of thing. But the way I see it, you know, um, before we get to Thanksgiving, right, we got three big things that are going to happen, right? One, we've got another rash of retail earnings that are going to be coming out and it's going to be a number of companies uh, really on the holiday season, when you think about it, everybody from, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods, Abercrombie, uh, American Eagle, and, and a host of others. So that's that's the first thing. Second thing we have is we have the Flash PMI that's coming out, right? And there's a great correlation. We uh, shared that chart this morning, again, yeah. Monday, November 21st with members, as it relates to manufacturing PMI and S&P 500 revenue. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. And then the third, uh, and this is really what I want to lead off with, because it talks about something you and I were chatting with late last week, over the weekend, and even earlier today, which is uh, Wednesday afternoon when everyone is fleeing 
right? These 55 million people are traveling for the Thanksgiving holiday. We're going to get the latest FOMC meeting minutes. That's right. And then um, it, it usually doesn't um, uh, mean too much volatility in the markets, but, you know, Chris, the, the, um, the traders are, or desks are going to be thin and algorithms are going to take over and, and key off of certain words. Now, what, what I found interesting, um, Chris, just announced on Friday, I think, is um, Chairman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me this. Yeah. yeah Chairman Powell is going to uh, have a, um, a speech or something like that on November 30th, which is a, a week from Wednesday. And he's going to be talking about the economy and, and labor. So this is uh, this leads up into the quiet period. There's usually about a, Chris, is about a 10-day quiet period that the um, Fed institutes of their Fed governors and the and presidents are supposed to, you know, shut their yappers for a, a week or so, <laughs> not talk, um, and not and not give anything um, ahead of the um, the meeting, which is going to be, I think, on the I want to say it's the fifteenth or fourteenth, fifteenth or sixteenth of December, and uh, so he he's he's going to be uh, giving a uh, giving a talk. Now, obviously, this is the first time we we're hearing Powell say anything since the CPI PPI reports were released uh, earlier this month. So we'll, we'll, we'll maybe maybe he'll give some hints on, on that. So that's going to create a lot more angst, a lot more uh, in, um, uh, volatility uh, in the markets next week. So let, let's talk about Fed expectations for a second, because, you know, it seems that people, particularly after the last bout of uh, Fed heads, as we like to call them, were out last week. It, it sounds as if the market is finally recognizing, yes, Fed funds rate, it is likely to be at 5%, maybe a little higher than that uh, by the time we get into the first quarter of 2023, right? And of course, that means we've got a couple more rate hikes to go. That means we're going to see, you know, further crimping in housing. Auto loans will get much more expensive. Borrowing costs will get more expensive, all of that. And we really haven't seen all that play out on the economy. But the thing that I read is that some traders are kind of hanging their hats on is, well, Bob, you know, the Fed's going to make a cut to the Fed funds rate late next year, right? And and I, I just find that fascinating because what have what have we what have we been told by a, any number of uh, Fed heads, including Powell himself? We are going to raise rates. We're going to keep them there for a considerably longer period of time than usual to make sure this inflation is crimped. It is gone from the system. And I, I, I know you like to watch this stuff probably more so than I do, even though I keep my eye on it. Does that does that jive with what the Fed is saying? What, what, what um, those traders are saying? No, 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 not at all. And I think uh, the problem in the markets, Chris, is that, you know, people are trying to guess, get in front of get in front of the move and guess because they see big moves happen. Uh, overnight. Look what happened after the CPI number was released. You know, the, the futures jumped 92 handles. It was two and a half percent, literally in seconds. So I, I think that that in an in an attempt to try and get in front of those moves, I mean, who, you know, who, you know, you got you want to get in early, right? But there's an old economic saw out there. And then people don't, well, well, before I get to that, you know, people are trying to guess the uh, the the moment, the pivot. Or whatever the peak inflation, they're trying to guess that. Mm -hmm. But there's no, there's, there's no time. Yeah, you, know, you can, you can have an extended amount of time. You can have time goes infinity, right? You can say, at some point in time, it's going to, it's going to turn, it's going to pivot. Well, yeah, you and I both know that too. However, there's an old economic saw out there that says um, 
give them a date or give them a number, but don't give them both. Basically, what that mm -hmm. means. Don't, don't, don't. If you're going to make a prediction, don't say when it is. Or if you're going to say when it is, don't say what the prediction is. <laughs> so, um, so I, I think that that um, people are trying to to get in front, and I think that's a mistake, Chris. I think you, I think it. You know, for many years, people were saying were ignoring what the Fed was saying and doing because they were saying certain things but doing different things. I think at mm -hmm. this point, at, at this time right now, they 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 realize. Eight nine percent inflation is serious business, and they really have to get their act together, put their ducks in a row, and do the right thing, which is you know raising interest rates is what they've been doing, and they're not going to back down until they see um, uh, the, that inflation number uh, go down for um, a long period of time. Right, right, right. So I I, I do think that there's and you know, this is my favorite word, you know, Bob, that there's a there's like a sliver of hopium that's injected in this thought by these traders that oh, yeah. the Fed is going to back off sooner than expected. And, and I, you know, for us, I, I think the key it served us well is that we're going to continue to remain data dependent. Right. We're going to update our, our, our thoughts as we get more and more data. But I think based on what we've seen thus far, you know, yes, inflation in the CPI and the PPI for October were a little softer than expected. Okay, still a big distance. We have, we have more room to go. Uh, you know, don't count the Fed out from doing its job. And I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if on the 30th, Powell comes out and says, look, look, folks, you know, we are in this for the long haul. And that could squeeze that hopium a little bit. That's so. right. That's right. And I, and I, and, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, where things are at, I know. I think our, our our next monthly meeting is about a week or so before um, that Fed meeting. Um, mm -hmm. is so, and we'll have a jobs report coming out um, before our before well, we'll have, and, a lot of data. Well, we'll have right. We'll have Powell's comments in hand as well, right? So that's right. That's right. So, um, uh, you you said something just a few minutes ago before we got started, Chris, on the on the podcast here. It was really kind of it was pleasantly surprising. You said something to the effect of um, this past month or so, we had about a dozen names of ours that actually um, beat the SP 500 last month. Is that is that is that correct? It it, it is. You're you're knocking me off my train of thought here, but yes, it, wow. you you are 100 100 correct. As, as we sit here taping today, uh, the S and P over the last month or so was up like 5.7 percent. We had 12 names that were up substantially more than the S and P 500, and I, I was just thinking about it. Because I, I have to go on uh, TD Ameritrade Network later this afternoon. And when I was on, uh, I, I know a certain editor is going to hear me say this phrase and other people are going to groan when I when they say it. But I was on talking about uh, Costco and McCormick's, you know, season's eatings. And, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that McCormick over the last month is up just under 15%. I mean, that, that is a whopper of a move when you think about the S&P 500. Costco is up more than 13%, right? I mean, the, the, these names are playing out as we thought they would, is my point. Yeah, McCormick was one that, you know what, we, we, we realized that, you know, it was, uh, it, it, it came in with a, a, a rough um, uh, estimate and uh, uh, forecast for the last quarter. And, uh, but we, we also knew that uh, the price increases that they were gonna take um, that they had been taking and they're, they're planning on taking in the year ahead, we're, we're likely going to stick. And, and this is the uh, time of year where, where people are buying these products. And uh, I look at the report this morning, Chris, from uh, Smuckers, which is a, not necessarily a direct competitor of McCormick, but you know they're, they're, in, the, they're, they're in the grocery aisle with, um, with McCormick. 
you know, they, they, they uh, boosted guidance. They, they, they said they're going to, they've been very careful with the price increases. And I think that's, um, that's a message that I got from the McCormick CEO when he was um, talking about the quarter. They're, they're not jamming price increases through to the, to the, um, to the public, rather being very careful in, in, in raising prices. But this is an opportunity for them to do it. I mean, I don't think that they've been able to raise prices like they've had now, probably for 20 years. You know, it's, it's been a well, while. Well, I, I think the positive on that, and it certainly plies into PepsiCo too, which is actually doing very well today as, we, as we're taping this. Um, you know, all of them have been facing a lot of inflation, and it's taken a couple rounds of price increases to get to the point where, you know, now they're starting to see the benefits of that pricing come through. So it tells me that there's probably more operating leverage ahead in the current environment. But also, too, if the Fed does get its uh, mojo going and we do start to see price you know, inflation retreating, perhaps even some deflation in certain inputs, all of a sudden those price increases become real margin levers. Right. I've been saying this, and, and and I think it's increasingly likely to happen. Maybe we'll see it in 2023 at some point. Not sure yet, but um, but anyway, well, I wanted to skip back. Oh, so so with that, other other names that outperformed. Obviously, Axon did very well. Verizon did very well over the last month. So I mean, it's it it's it's been a great you know month for um, a number of AAP positions. Um, but let me get back to what we were talking about with the Fed, five percent, and. You know, late last week, you and I were chatting about this, and this is a little kind of to give members, you know, uh, some inside thought as to how we're thinking about things. Um, you know, if you look back, when was the last time the Fed funds rate was kind of like this? So, you know, we we have all this data that we look at. You know, I, I track the S&P 500 earnings, uh, the pricing action, you know, the Fed funds rate, GDP, all that in this wonderful spreadsheet. And we really have to go back to 2005, 2006 to look at that. And, and what's fascinating about that, at that time, the economy was still growing, right? It was, we were continuing to see growing earnings as well, um, but the market multiple kind of peaked out that year around 17 times, but it bottomed out somewhere between 14 and 15 times, depending on the year, again, 2005, 2006. So we went back and we took a look at that and, you know, if you look at that 17 multiple on what's expected for next year for S&P 500's 2023, um, you get 39.90 on the S&P 500, which I think is, Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, right where we are. That's where we are. We have a little bit, a little bit lower than that right now. But still, you know, within, within uh, you know, uh, the, the distance of, uh, of, of, of error. So um, one and a half percent. So yeah, I mean, but then on the on the on the on the on the uh, bear side, Chris. I mean, you're 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 probably talking well down to three thousand, maybe even a little bit lower than that. If you're talking about fourteen times, well, two hundred dollars. So it's not that. So it's not that bad. <laughs> so you know, it really depends, right? If, if we look around like the fifteen level, right? 15 times. If we, again, believe that 2023 expectations for 232 per share in S&P 500 earnings, that gives us 34.80. Now, you know I have issues with that because I don't think that number is going to be real, right? You know, we we, we came into uh, 2022 with next to 0% Fed funds rate and EPS growth this year is going to be a whopping 6% uh, for the S&P 500. 
yet the current consensus is 5% for 2023. How do we get there with a Fed funds rate that's going to be, you know, on, on approach to 5%, knowing it's going to be there longer? So I, I have a real tough time with that. So even if we haircut it, right, that 232 down, say it's flat you over year at 220, maybe a little less, now we're talking 3,300 potentially on the S&P 500. Yeah, 3,300, no, 3,393, Chris. That was the uh, uh, pre-pandemic high. February of 2020 of uh, three, uh, 3393. So I've been looking at that area um, as a as a as, as a pullback or um, reach back to um, to talk to try and um, see, test and see if there are buyers at that level. Of course, that was, you know, longer we go, it'll be three years in March, uh, February, March of next year. That's cool. um, it's much difficult. That in, a, that in and of itself is crazy that we're coming up about three years since the start of the pandemic. That's right. That's right. I mean, February, January, February of you know, who knew what was going, what was going to happen, and and who knew that the uh, market would take a such a beating in March of 2020. But um, you know, it it did, and you know, so as we as we see, um, you know, those um, those earnings adjustments made, Chris. What I found fascinating is a lot of these analysts seem to make these adjustments very very late stage. So a lot, you know, as we come up towards the end of fourth quarter over here, I suspect a lot of these analysts are going to be making their changes. You know, right before Christmas, or maybe even just after that, and then you know, just, and making, sorry, making sorry, sorry, members, you can't see this, but I'm shaking my head. It's going to happen in earnings season for uh, the December quarter, meaning the back half of January, early February. That's when we're really going to see it, because you know, a lot, a lot of these analysts, and I used to be one of them, so I know this game. Uh, pardon my language, Bob. A little potty mouth here. They're kind of chicken shit to front run management and and cut their numbers. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, they, uh, you know, that that's that, you know, if we're, you know, um, you know, fortunately, what's nice, Chris, is that you and I um, are very objective when it comes to analyzing companies. We're not trying we're not going to trust management to tell us what they're going to do. Um, and <laughs> no, 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 sorry, we're not. I'm going to no, the wrong tree here, I'm sure. Right. But uh, we're not going to trust anybody to to try and and and, and guarantee us that. Hey, listen. You know what? We're going to hit our numbers, or or that sort of thing. You know, I mean, if uh, if we're wrong, we're we're going to admit we're wrong. We made a we made a mistake in in uh, in, in making an analysis, and we're going to move on to the next one. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is a hundred percent correct. Now, let me let let me get back to this though, right? So so the question that we're posed with is, okay, we know where the multiples have been in history. We're a little concerned about earnings expectations and. And, and I do, this is where I wanted to revisit that chart that we uh, published on Monday, which was um, S&P 500 revenue to the manufacturing PMI. You know, in that chart, I mean, we have not seen 2023 revenue expectations drop, even though we've seen a plummet, right, in the PMI data, at least for October. So really what we're looking for with the November data is confirmation of that. Right. But Candidly, you know, so if, if we get a really weak November PMI print for manufacturing, it means revenue expectations are likely to come down. But I would argue that there's other reasons that they need to come down anyway. One is this renewed concern over in China. I heard you talk about it on the rundown. I wrote about it in the morning comments. You're right. But also, too, Europe is already in contractions territory for both manufacturing and services. So that is going to be a headwind for a lot of companies, you know in the US that do business abroad. My understanding too is that the dollar has rebounded on the China news and that's gonna just, you know, uh, 
uh, what's what's the word I'm looking here? Uh, reinvigorating that headwind for U.S. companies. That's right. And the, so the, the the interesting dichotomy here, Chris, that I'm I'm, I'm seeing between with the PMIs here, and the, I and I agree with you. I think they've been trending downward. You know, the the the, the best category in the labor uh, report that came out earlier this month was manufacturing. A lot of job a lot of jobs created in this manufacturing sector. So it's just kind of I, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm having a little trouble squaring that because if, if uh, PMIs are down, but manufacturing jobs are, are climbing or up, there's got to be something there to to turn those PMIs back up um, down the road. Well, right? we'll see. We'll see because you know we look at you know some of the other data on, on the demand side. Now, now before I get to that, let's remember right that the PMI data in, in the comments that they have, they've been talking for a long time about the inability to hire workers. So perhaps things are, are, are um, softening up a little bit, people are starting to move around. My concern though is that just as they start hiring, we, we see the demand drop off. That, that that's kind of another one two to businesses. So I you know I think businesses to quote Tim Cook are going to be very selective in their hiring. I don't think they're going to bring a lot of people in willy nilly when the outlook is um, questionable, uncertain. So you know once again when we get the demand data at, contained inside the PMI, one of the things that I will be looking quite closely at will be the new order data, a kind of a leading indicator for what is ahead. Yeah. So. You know, we'll see what all that means, but I think when we put these two pieces together, right, uh, market multiples, when Fed funds rate were at or near where we are, or sorry, where we are and where we're going, we take a look at the, the possible data here, and then we layer in um, something that you talked about, Bob, where you're really watching that 3,900, 4,000 level. Um, you know, the this whole kit and caboodle, I think, keeps us very much in... Um, you know, cautious territory with the portfolio. For sure, for sure. And and uh, you know, as we as we move, you know, we turn the calendar in about six weeks uh, to 2023. I think the um, the concern remains uh, about Fed policy, right? And and they've they've given no indication, Chris, that they're going to slow down or stop, right? And at least verbally. And and even this last week, even even James Bullard came out and said that. You know, on a, in a, in a d most dovish case, five percent. In the most, you know, hawkish case, seven percent. Um, so in, somewhere in that range over there. And I think uh, most of the Fed uh, speakers and presidents and so forth are 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 in that camp. We're at three seventy five, Chris. So that's yeah, no, I I totally I totally hear totally hear you on that. The only issue there is we both know Bullard likes to drive headlines. Sure, he 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 likes the headlines. He likes to he likes the spotlight. And uh, but um, but even some of the other uh, Fed uh, Fed speakers have said, you know, even 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 with this uh, latest um, slightly better than CPI and slightly better than PPI uh, inflation data, I think they're still seeing uh, that um, the Fed funds rate is going to go um, uh, substantially higher than it is right now. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, that next Fed funds uh, rate hike, Chris. Is going to put it substantially higher, even if it's 50 basis points, 50 or 75, substantially higher than the 10-year yield. 10-year bond actually broke below the Fed funds last week, Chris. It's at about 3.8 right now, and we're at 375 on the Fed funds. So really, basically within five basis points of each other right now. With the Fed funds, if it jumps up to four and a quarter to four and a half, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, that curve is going to be steeply inverted. 
and uh, across the uh, across the, uh, the the yield curve, um, and almost the Fed funds almost matching um, with the with the two year yield, which is about four point four right now. So um, th this historically has uh, predicted that recessions are, are going to come. So I think one of the reasons why uh, let me just throw them the volatility is down so much. I think it, the the expectation is that um, a recession is 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 imminent here, or at least a severe slowdown. Listen, if we if we come in anywhere close to that um, GDP now number, Chris, for the fourth quarter, four and a half percent, maybe five percent. I think it's really kind of wild um, uh, out there anyway. But if we do, and we come drop to two percent, I mean, or even less than that, it's gonna that's gonna feel like a a, a massive uh, a massive drop. It's gonna feel painful. But the, right, right. And I, I think in the near term, if, if you're the Fed and you're seeing the economy holding up stronger than expected and, you know, that uh, Atlanta Fed GDP now number, I think it was 4.4 percent mid last week. I think we exited the week at 4.2, still up big from 2.6 percent, uh, which was the initial print for uh, 3Q 2022 GDP. Um, you know, that just emboldens the Fed because they they because and they're thinking you know, hey, the economy can withstand this. We can continue to go big if we have to. That's the, that. That's the real question, I think. Yeah, and 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 what we saw last week is a real good indication of that with the uh, strong retail sales number uh, across the board. I mean, very strong in October, which kind of surprised me because uh, Chris, uh, I think people would would be holding back a little bit, saving their money a little bit before. The big sales come out um, after Black Friday. Here we go. We're doing full circle, coming back to Black Friday. Um, uh, you know, all the sales that are going to come in, huge inventories. I mean, Target told us last week their inventory levels are just out of control, right? And then I'm sure they're, they're not the only ones uh, out there talking about that. No, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I, one of the things that we'll have a much better sense after this week and this latest round of retailers is how much inventory is out there because we can aggregate them. And, and the key here, is what's the level of inventory year over year, but also compared to the prior quarter? Because as we saw, you know, with Target and we saw with some others that we pointed out in our notes to members, uh, both are up. Now, it really relies on a robust holiday shopping season. But when we think about layoffs, inflation, uh, shrinking disposable income, there are reasons to be concerned, right? that shoppers may not open the wallets as much as, say, the National Retail Federation is thinking. And remember, they're looking for plus 6% to 8%, um, you know, which arguably, if you, if you put your inflation hat on, says, wow, volume-wise, they're not buying a lot much more. Yeah, and um, in a, uh, uh, in a uh, thing about, um, we've, seen, we've seen this story before about China, more lockdowns, Chris. I mean, I thought just a couple of weeks ago they were we we're all getting ready for a reopening of things. You know, we're <laughs> going to spend lots and lots of money. The economies are going to go uh, hog wild. They were telling everybody what? the governments were telling everybody to buy stocks. You're supposed to buy stocks, right? And 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 now they now they're locking down. I think I want to say one of Apple's um, uh, big plants or areas, cities at uh, Guangzhou, I think is a. Uh, was under was under some lockdown or something like that. So we're going no, to think that I, I I think that's right. I mean, I, I think the wintertime, you know, the the one wild card is what what does happen with the coronavirus, you know, during during the wintertime. Um, you know, the summer months seems to be a little a little um, 
less severe. So we'll see what happens. There's also ch- uh, talks of kind of a big flu season. There's, you know, there's also concern over what might happen with the Russia-Ukraine war during winter. So there, there, there's a lot of variables that are out there. Uh, we'll have we'll have to continue to adjust our thinking as each of them kind of bubbles up a little bit. But I think near term, the two big things that we're going to pay attention to, uh, in, in addition to what the companies in the portfolio have to say, what the competitors, suppliers, customers have to say, you know, the overarching narrative for us is going to be the Fed earnings expectations for the S&P 500 for 2023. Those two things, I think, will dictate where the market goes next. I, I agree with that. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap it up right there, Chris. It's been a really great. Uh, well, yeah. no, 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 no. You well, can't do that. You can't, can't do, that. do that. I got. I no. Yeah, I got. I got. I got. I got two questions for you, Bob. Okay, let's hear it. All right, here we go. So, one, we know we've got Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Will you be shopping for the holiday season from the couch or in the stores, Bob? <laughs> um, I'm probably going to be shopping from the couch. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I, I I had I had you checked off for that box right here already, Bob. Okay, I too will be you? shopping from the I too will be shopping from the couch. Um, now here's the most important question, um, and this is a, this is a two part question, Bob. So sorry. Um, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Okay, everybody has someone to be thankful for, something to be thankful for. Um, I'm not going to ask you what you're thankful for, but when you sit down for that that celebratory meal. Uh, we know that people put a lot of effort into the turkey. I would argue the sides are much more important, Bob. What side will you be bringing to Thanksgiving? That's the first part. Okay. Uh, probably some dessert, probably some pies or something like that. That's 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 my some pie. No, no, you, you got to be more specific. What kind of pie? Uh, I think we're going to go with, uh, I think we're probably going to go with a beautiful apple pie. Might get that from Costco, Chris. And uh <laughs> <laughs> I got to support our companies, right? So yeah, um, you do, you do. You, but they have a nice big pecan pie as well. Oh, so. that's, that's good too. I'm, I'm probably going apple pie. How about you? What do you uh, What do you bring in? Uh, I will be responsible for the cornbread stuffing because I do love cornbread stuffing. Or, or since we don't make it in the bird, we call it dressing, and we want it nice and crisp. So, all right, last question, and then I, I see we're running out of time here. Um, what will be your Thanksgiving Day cocktail, Bob? Oh, oh, that's a good, that's a good question. So um, I think, I don't even, I'm not even sure. I think I'm, I'm going to have, uh, Leanne's going to make some uh, French 75 uh, for us. And that's a, uh, it's a drink that was started at Harry's Bar in, uh, in, in France, in Paris. We, we actually went to the bar when we were there in Paris earlier this year, Chris. And uh, um, that's a good drink. It's got uh, Prosecco, um, gin, lemon, and um, simple syrup. Simple syrup. That's right. Yeah. Good drink. Good drink. So we're going to be passing that around um, on uh, Thanksgiving Day. Passing it around like from a bottle? Oh, drinking. Well, uh, <laughs> passing, the, passing the glasses around. You know, anybody wants one? Uh, OK. All right. No, I mean, it's just the way you said it. I, I can't picture you guys sitting around the table with a b- bottle <laughs> and a paper bag passing it around. Um, we will be um, the, the drink that I'll be bringing will be uh, I've recently switched over to cider. Um, it just, it's a little easier on the system. Uh, and I found a lovely cranberry orange cider that I'll be drinking. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, um, will you, will you, if you have any stuffing left over, will you bring some to New York with you, uh, in a, in a couple weeks when we go, uh, we have the monthly meeting so we can have, so we can sample it. If there's any, no, left over. <laughs> no, 
Because you know why? Because I know I, the odds of there being stuffing left over, same odds as you leaving me a slice of pie. Zero. <laughs> Zero. That's probably true. All right, Bob. That's it. Hey, members, thank you for everything. It's been a wonderful year, been a tough year, but we do thank you for your support. We wish you all the best on Thanksgiving. And remember, we are thankful for you. Very thankful for you. Thanks, everyone. And uh, enjoy the podcast. We'll be back next uh, next Monday and uh, have a great day.